Uh, we're going to continue in the series, Don't Worry, Move Mountains. And I know <clears throat> my intention was to finish up the series today. And I can tell you right now, it's not going to finish today. It's not going to finish. So just give me some grace. We're going to, we're going to go uh, until next week. All right. And uh, try to finish up. But we've talked so far in this series uh, about worry. We've talked so far in this series about doubt. All right. And um, we are in this series and it really what it is all about is about walking by faith. Okay, and so we had to deal with those things that stumble us, those things that cause us to stumble. All right, in our walk, those things uh, like worry. Okay, those things like doubt. All right, and so we have to learn what it means to walk by faith. We understand that it is a life. It is it is how we live and move and have our being. We talked that first week about worry and how the definition of worry is to give way to anxiety or unease to allow your mind to dwell and dwell is the key word dwell is the key word to dwell on difficulty or trouble that's what worry is worry is when you dwell worry isn't when you identify a trouble it's not when you identify a concern that's identification but worry is when you dwell that's the that's the that's the key word there on some difficulty or some trouble and it causes you to doubt and we understand that doubt it means that's a feeling of uncertainty more important what doubt is is a lack of conviction I'm just not a hundred percent sure remember remember that word doubt is uh, it's kind of like uh, you, you know you, you you have that you have that reaction you know you, you have those words is it really you know, it's cold outside. Is it really? Is it? Is it though? Is it really? And we can't do that with the word of God. We absolutely should be weary, uh, you know, when somebody tells us something that's too good to be true. Because as my wife says, usually when someone tells you it's too good to be true, it usually is too good to be true. Okay. And so we should have some concern. But doubt is that thing, uh, you know, where we're just so weary and with the word of God, we cannot be weary. We absolutely cannot be weary. So that's that's our definition of worry. That's our definition of doubt, a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of conviction. And now we're going to get into, uh, you know, now that we've dealt with worry and doubt, we can't leave it right there. OK, see this thing about um, don't worry, move mountains are polar opposites. When we talk about don't worry, don't doubt, all right, you're way over here, okay? So if you get that dealt with, if you say, okay, I'm not going to move in doubt, I'm not going to worry, you come here to the middle, and it's kind of like, okay, well, everything's okay, I'm not worried, I'm not doubting, I'm just at ease. But God doesn't want you to be there. It's not that he doesn't want you to have a rest or a peace, I'm not saying that, but you weren't created to be at ease, you were created to move mountains, you were created, I said, to move mountains. You and I were created to move mountains, not just to get out of doubt and worry, but there's a reason he wants us out of doubt and worry. It's to get us over here so that we're moving mountains. We're moving mountains. And so we must believe that we're able to do that. You and I are able to do that because we have the spirit of God in us. Now, if you haven't spent time, as we did this morning, in the presence of God, then you can't expect to have the Spirit of God in you. You don't just wake up and move mountains. You have to know God. His Spirit must be in you, and more, even more so than that, His Word must be in you in order to do that. 
Turn over. I have a lot of scripture. And as I said, don't worry. Don't doubt. <laughs> don't worry. We're, we're, we have time. Okay. We can come back next week. Till Jesus comes back, we're going to get together. Okay. So don't worry. We'll, we'll get through all of it eventually. Uh, but I have a lot of scripture this morning. I do have some of it that we'll put up there. But if you have your Bible or you have a way to get to scripture, or if you don't have any of those things, of course, you can just look up on the board. Turn over to uh, Corinthians, the book of First Corinthians chapter 13. We would know this chapter uh, in the Bible, many people who have been around church for any amount of time uh, would call this the love chapter, the love chapter, right? Because at the end of this chapter, it says that faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. But I want to submit something to you this morning before we get into it, and that is that Paul was dealing with the church at Corinth, <clears throat> Here in First Corinthians, they were out of order. They were doing a lot of things, uh, you know, that they shouldn't be doing in excess when it was time to, uh, you know, have communion. Uh, as we did last week, they just, uh, you know, they ate and ate and ate. And it was more about the food than it was about remembering Jesus. And so he was dealing with a lot of those things. And then he started talking about spiritual gifts in chapter 12 and chapter 14. He talks a lot about spiritual gifts. He start, talks a lot about setting things in order. Order, and he starts to talk about their motivation. And so when he gets to this chapter, he says that faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. He's more so talking about your motivation for doing anything that you do. If you have a spiritual gift, your motivation for it should be love. The Bible says that God is love. God created the universe. And so love is the greatest motivator. The greatest of these three is love because it motivates you. Love is the greatest motivator, but I want to submit to you this morning that faith is the greatest activator, and you need both of them. You can't have love without faith. I know we, got, you know, Lionel Richie used to have a song called Love Conquers All. I know y'all young people don't know who that is, but you know, he, he wrote a song called Love Conquers All. Well, if, if, you, if, if your mindset is as a Christian's mindset would be, and I don't mean a religion or religious mindset, I mean a follower of Jesus who has a relationship. That's what I mean when I say Christian. I don't mean a person who goes to church, okay? If you have the mind of Christ, then you would understand, well, that is true if you're talking about God and God is love because God conquers all. But when you talk about the love that we're used to relating to, then that kind of love does not conquer all. And that's why God said we must also have faith. The just shall live. He didn't say the just shall live by love. The just shall live by faith. Yet faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. So your motive has to be love, but your activation has to be faith. They go together. And so too many times we as Christians, we miss one or the other. We could give this same uh, sermon about love and how people are, you know, I have such great faith, but your, your motive is wrong. Your motive is wrong. And you wonder why it doesn't work because your motive is wrong. But today I want to talk about faith. I want to talk about faith. I believe that this church and this people, as the brother David uh, just um, testified, we do have so much love. And I'm not saying we don't have faith. I'm not saying that. So don't, don't take it that way. But I'm telling you, this. in fact, in fact, uh, I had to give a, a session at a conference probably two or three years ago. 
at a, at, a, at a conference, and what they asked me about was to give a session on uh, love in the church, how to be a loving church, how to be a loving church. Now, usually they ask you to do those sessions because your church is really good at that. So that's a testament to this church. That's a testament to you guys that your pastor went somewhere else in the country and gave a whole session as part of a conference on how we do things, just how you do things normally, not how you intend to, just who you are. That's what I gave the session on. And so uh, I, I, I believe that God has really put that in us. And now for us to go to the next level, our faith this year is going to increase. We have faith. Everyone of us in here has faith. God gave us faith. You have, some have great faith. We're all on different levels, but we have faith. So please don't be offended when I say this, but our faith, this is a mountain moving year for the life church. This is a mountain moving year for us. We are going to move mountains this year. The very first thing we have to do is believe it. So 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 and 2, we would know it. We would know it. it. And it says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I'm speaking out of the New King James Version, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, there's the word, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and here's the line, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Now, in those first two verses, if you're like me, you would concentrate on the subject, the theme of those two verses, which is love. But we cannot skip over the line that the Holy Spirit said through Paul in here that stands out to me more than anything now, more than ever. And that is, and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains. That means that there is a faith that moves mountains. There is, I said there is a faith that moves mountains. Now, let me say this. You know, there's things in the Bible that are what we call type and shadow, metaphorical. There's things in the Bible that are just what they are. And again, if you're like me, there's, you know, there's times in my life where I have just mixed up those two. You know, and a big part of it is because I haven't spent a lot of time in his presence. God will show you in his presence what to take literally and what is a type and shadow. And see, there's things that are literal in the Bible that we take as types and shadows. For example, the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul that we should not commit adultery, we should not fornicate. Also, Jesus said that when he was here. Guess what that's not? It's not a type and shadow. So when I look that up and I look it up into Greek and I pray about it and I think about it and I, and I relate it to another thing and another scripture and I bring it all together, it means don't have sex outside of marriage. That's just because that's what it said. That's what it means. Voila. It is there. Okay. That's that's what it is. <laughs> All right. Now, Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, we'll get to a scripture that says that again, 
he said, in fact, let's do, let's do this. Go over to Matthew 17, 20. I have a lot of scripture. I'm sorry. We just, we're going to go through this and see how it goes. All right. Over the Matthew 17, 20. We've read this verse in the last couple of weeks, so you'd be familiar with it. But Matthew chapter 17, just flip a few, few pages back there, back into the Gospels where the Gospels start. Um, Matthew 17, 20, verse 20 says this. So Jesus said to them, because they asked him, why could we not cast out this demon? All right. He said, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, there he's talking about the size of it, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, Jesus said, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and nothing will be impossible for you. So uh, I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, if all of us had this mustard seed faith, we all believed what Jesus was saying. Okay, I don't know how many Christians there are uh, in the United States. Let's just use the United States. There's what, 385 million people in the U.S., maybe some more. And uh, if 10% of those were Christians, how many is that? Anybody know? 38 million. Yes, very good. See, Eldon, he's good at math. All right, 38 million. So if there were 38 million Christians and all 38 million had mustard seed faith, and we spoke to literal mountains and said, move from here and be cast into the sea. Well, then I don't know if we'd have the Allegheny Mountains or Mount Rainier or, you know, we would have no more mountains. And the, and the physical literal mountains are beautiful. They're God's creation. And so I don't think that he meant that literal, but there are mountains in our life that we call mountains, right? Mountains of debt, mountains of sin, mountains of whatever, you know, relationship issues that just seem like a mountain. You ever had that, I, you know, a relationship with your family, <laughs> all right? Some of us over Christmas, we were happy to go see our family, but we were just as happy to leave. <laughs> Come on now, you know, there, there's mount, there's all kinds of mountains. And so Jesus is saying, speak to this mountain and say, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and it will move. It will move. It will move and nothing will be impossible for you. There's a, there's a scripture, I didn't put it down here, but there's a scripture in the Bible that references uh, lying and it references God. And it says that God cannot lie. Anybody know that scripture or heard that before? You believe that's in the Bible? It's in there, yes. Okay. It's in the Bible. All right, I didn't jot it down, uh, it, but, it, but God cannot lie. So he said here, if you say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move, there's only one of two things. Either the mountain will move if you believe and, and do what Jesus said, or God's a liar. And that's kind of harsh to say, isn't it? You're like, oh, God's a liar? Did he just say that? I said either one of those two things it has to be. And you, like I, I know, believe that God is not a liar. So then why can't we believe that the mountain will move if we do what God said? If we, as we did, talked about this morning, press into his presence and find out the heart of God. I always say, God only wants your heart. We make so many mistakes and you feel like, well, I messed up and I messed up yesterday. And even with this faith thing that you're talking about, I didn't say the right thing yesterday. Well, guess what? Today is today. This is the day that the Lord has made. God is not coming to condemn you. Jesus said it. All right. Uh, so we should believe that only that the Holy Spirit would convict us. And the purpose of that, remember, God is love, so his motivation is correct. The purpose of conviction is to get us to live an abundant life that he called us to. 
That's his purpose. So we shouldn't mind being convicted by the word of God to do what God has called us to do because he only wants us to live the life that he's come for, the life that he died for on the cross. I came to remove your sin, but guess what else? The chastisement of your peace was upon me. You have peace because of me. And by my stripes, Jesus would say, you, as Peter said, were healed. That's why he convicts us to believe what his word says. Flip over to Matthew 21. That'll be easy. Just flip over a few pages. Uh, flip the pages to your left, right? Matthew chapter 21. And I'll make it even easier for you. I'll say Matthew chapter 21. We'll go to verse 21. Real easy. All right, we can do that real easy. Matthew 21, verse 21 says this. Uh, so Jesus answered and said to them, talking to his disciples and talking to people. He said, surely I say to you, if you have faith and what? Do not doubt. Do not doubt. You will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. He's reemphasizing it. Even though we know Jesus doesn't lie, he said, you, you should know that I don't lie. But just in case, let me tell you again, if you do not doubt, you remember what doubt is. You remember doubt. He said, do not doubt. All right, let's go over to what some, uh, at least during the charismatic movement, would call the bedrock of faith, Mark 11. Go over to Mark chapter 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 23. Just flip over to the next chapter. Go to, I mean, to, to the next book. You're in Matthew. Go over to Mark Look at chapter 11 and just verse 23. Some of you, you would know this. I hope some of you would know this by heart. It says, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not what? Doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. It goes on to, to say, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. A lot of times we focus on that verse 24, believe that you will receive them and you have them. But listen, the first part of it is just as important. He said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart and does not doubt in his heart. Let me say this. Later on this year, we're going to do a, a message series on prayer. And uh, you would know that prayer is important to us. In fact, we carve out time in our Sunday morning services uh, to have corporate prayer because God said prayer is important. And my house shall be, come on people, a house of prayer. Prayer is important. Prayer is important. Now, if you are a young Christian or if you are a person who hasn't been around the Lord for any length of time, I would absolutely say to you, come to God. He, God knows where you are. God knows where you are. He, he, he knows your heart. He knows your motivation. You just pray. You, you pray, you, you tell God what's on your heart, you listen, he will speak to you. Uh, you know, God, God never, ever, even for those who have been around him and know better, he never is one to condemn. He never is. He, only to, his spirit only convicts us, remember, with the right motivation to do the right thing. He never condemns us. But I would say to you that if you, if you don't know, you feel like you don't know how to pray, go to God and pray. Don't, that's not an excuse not to pray. 
But as you spend time with the Lord, one of the things that you find out about prayer is that, uh, you know, is, is, is just like that thing where we don't understand what sometimes what type and shadow is and what's literal. Sometimes we don't understand how to pray about certain things. We pray about we we pray about things that we should be speaking to. You see, uh, I've said this before. And I just want to reemphasize it. Go through the Bible. See, every time Jesus, when Jesus walked the earth, someone was healed. And tell me how he prayed for them. Tell me how he prayed for them. Now, your Bible says, I believe in James, Brother James, that uh, if you are sick, do you need prayer? Go to the elders. Let them lay hands on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm talking about when Jesus walked the earth, how did he pray for people who were sick. How did he do that? And if you want to be like Jesus, if you want to live a life of victory, because Jesus was an example, Peter said that he was an example for us, all right, of how to walk. And if we want to walk like him and be like him and live like him, then I would think we would need to pray like him as much as we know. How did he pray for people who were sick? I'll tell you how he prayed for them. He didn't ask God, his father for anything. He spoke. He spoke and he told them to do something. Even in the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, you remember that Naaman, you remember, come on, and the prophet went to him and told him to do something. No, I, I just want a miracle. I just want a miracle right now. I just want you to lay hands on me. And God wants you to do something. God wants you to do something, all right? He spoke. Whoever says to this mountain, not whoever thinks about the mountain, not whoever sits on their couch and silently prays about the mountain, but whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. What mountains are in your life? And if you're wondering why they're still there, maybe you're not speaking to them. Or maybe you're, you want to speak based on circumstances. You want it to be settled first, then you want to testify about it. I want to tell you something. Testimony, we overcome by the word of our testimony, but sometimes testimony comes before the manifestation. I said sometimes testimony comes before the manifestation. And so we, are, we, we want to testify. We just want to wait till it happens and to testify about what God did and how good he is. But God is saying, look, I've already been good. I was already good. You don't have to wait for me to do something. I've already done it. Testify if you want to see your manifestation. Say to this mountain. Say to this mountain. And so there is a faith that moves mountains. There is a faith that moves mountains. Now, also, faith does not walk by the realm of the senses. This is where we get tripped up. And, and when people start preaching about this, and I was one of them too, and I've been, I've been in church my whole life, practically, but I was one of them too. Oh, here you go. Uh, here you go. You're going to start talking about money, or you're going to start talking about floating around the church, or you're going to start talking about, you know, uh, what is this, you know, so unrealistic. You know, people back off because, uh, you know, when you start talking about the Spirit and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, moving, it seems spooky to so many people. But can I tell you this? The Holy Spirit is not spooky. We have made it spooky. Just because people do weird stuff and say weird stuff don't mean God is weird. That means the people are weird. Don't believe them. Follow God for yourself. Follow him for yourself. See what, read his word. <laughs> Come on, pray yourself. 
Try it for yourself. Don't, don't go by what some other weirdo is doing. All right? You follow God for yourself. God is not weird. God is real. And God was here first, by the way. So if anybody's weird, you're weird. He was here first and then made you. So who's weird? <laughs> okay? We, we, think we're, we think we're the baseline. And everything else is, oh, I don't know. That's kind of weird. No, God's the baseline. He was already here, okay? And so we, faith does not walk by the realm of the senses. I cannot look at the circumstances to determine where I am with God. And that's what trips us up. I have to look. There must be something else I have to look at. See, people look at the mountain and they confess the mountain. They confess the mountain. And, and, and God is, by the way, we, we should never, ever <laughs> deny what facts are. So I'm not telling you that. All right, if your foot hurts, it, it, is the scripture saying, say, my foot doesn't hurt. That's absolutely not what it's saying. That's how stuff gets weird. Because people interpret stuff or they, you, you know, they listen to some preacher that says, don't say your foot doesn't hurt. It doesn't, he didn't say don't, don't acknowledge that it doesn't hurt. Just don't begin to confess that. That thing doesn't rule you. It, it's absolutely true that your foot hurts. First of all, God is a healer. We, we agree with that. God is a healer. God, by his stripes, we are healed. Uh, also, there's a name in the Old Testament. Was it Jehovah Rapha? Am I right? Sister Jean, you would know all that stuff. Yep. Jehovah Rapha. All right. That means God is our healer. Why would he need to be our healer if we didn't need to be healed? If there was nothing there, if my foot didn't hurt, why do we need Jehovah Rapha? Right? So we know that there are things that the enemy throws against us, or this old body just does. <laughs> Listen, the, the, we're, the Corinthian, Paul said it in Corinthians. The older we get, if we, especially if we don't take care of it, this body begins to deteriorate. Come on, and it just does things. I understand that. But all, what we're saying here is we're not going to continue to confess the mountain, talk about the mountain, hash over the mountain, how great the mountain is. We're going to say, my foot hurts, but guess what? By his stripes, I was healed. And, I'm, and I speak to my foot right now in Jesus' name. It sounds weird. I know it. But it, it, that, it's not weird. It's not weird. I speak to this body right now in Jesus' name. And I say, you will line up with the word of God. All right? Here's the other thing that we do, though. We, we say, we, so you say, all right, Brother Mike, I'm going to try that. I'm going to speak to my body and tell my blood pressure to come down right after I eat this bucket of Popeyes and drink that Coke. <laughs> then I'm going to speak to my body. It ain't going to work <laughs> because you're doing something counterintuitive, okay, to what you're speaking. All right? So all of it, all of it works together. Of course, we have to take care of our bodies. And while you're uh, attempting at least to eat right, you ought to get some activity. I know it's cold right now, but you ought to get out there and walk a little bit or do something. All right? Some activity. So we can't do the opposite thing of what we're speaking because faith is action. Faith is action words. It's not just thinking in our heart. It's not just speaking, but it's what did James say? Show me. He said, you have faith. I have my works. Show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, what I do lines up with what I say. I know another great saying that my, my wife has. She said, there must be corresponding action to what you confess. There has to be corresponding action. You can't have two opposite actions, okay? So, but, but it, it's a realm of the senses. That's what we're going to confess. 
Faith not only moves mountains, but I'll end, I'll start this one and we'll end on this point, is that faith also is able to see in the spirit. Do you remember in, you, you, a lot of you remember this in 2 Kings, I believe it was, Elisha and his servant, they were up against an enemy who was all around them. You remember, you know where we're going. Some of you do know I'm going with that. They were all around him in 2 Kings, I believe it was chapter 6. And his, his, uh, his uh, Elisha's buddy, his servant, it was Gehazi, right? He began to get nervous. <laughs> what are we going to do? They're all around us. Elisha, how are you so calm? They're all around us. They got, they got swords. They got weapons. They're, uh, what are we going to do? And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, now see, this is the time we pray. He said, Lord, open his eyes. Now, here's, here's what I would say to that. Open his eyes. Wasn't he already looking? I mean, he could see that the enemy was all around him. I can see. I can feel that my foot hurts. I can see with the rash. I can, I, what do you mean open my eyes? He said, open his eyes that he can see. And when God opened his eyes, what did he see? He saw the army of the Lord all around him, surrounding him, protecting him. Was nothing going to happen. He was able to see. There must be some realm that we are able to see in that's not with these eyes. Faith doesn't see with these eyes. Faith sees with this eye. And it's not weird. This is, the, this is the spiritual realm that God is trying to get us to. This is where he's trying to bring us to. All right, just real quick. Go over to, uh, go over to Hebrews 11.1. 1. You know this, probably know it by heart. Maybe some of you don't need to flip over there. But go on and flip there just because I want you to see it for yourself. Well, we'll put it up there. We'll put it up there on the board. You know this one. Many of you can quote it. You know it. Starts out, now faith is. Now faith is. Is, is. Is be now. Is is now. Is is not coming, but it's now. We'll say another one of those things that I hope you come back next week. All right. We always including me. This is this is me, okay? So don't I'm not we always talk about what God is going to do. We do. And 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 I understand it. I, I say it. God's God is going to do something. But the question is, what is God going to do that he hasn't already done? But we say it because it's, it's, it helps us relate. I, I get why. It's, I'm, not, I'm not condemning you. Because it helps us relate, okay? But if you step back and think about it, and think about God lives. See, we're about to, I'm closing up, so don't worry. We'll finish next week. But God lives in eternity, so God never was and never is going to do something. It, but it's hard. It blows my mind that he lives in eternity. Remember, God created time for us. So to him, it's just, he's just in eternity. Whatever he says, that's what it means when it says God sees the end from the beginning. He, he sits at the beginning and sees the end because he's already there. He's already at the end when he's at the beginning. All right. So, yeah, that, I know. I know. Exactly. It's like, what? I don't understand that. But we're always talking about what God is going to do. But when I read the, the author of Hebrews here, it says, now faith is. That means it be now. 
It is that my faith is now. And so when we begin to talk, when we begin to confess with our mouth, let's begin to talk about is and not will be one day. It's kind of like that thing where you say, you know, my wife and I now we're uh, empty nesters mostly, but, you know, we're empty nesters. And um, so, you know, we begin to talk about, you know, well, things that we may want to do, you know, uh, you know, one day, maybe we want to go to this. But I think as long as we say someday, and we don't, for example, if we wanted to, you know, I don't know, take a vacation or go see this, whatever it is. And as long as we say someday we're going to see that, it's just code for never. It, I mean, it really is. Unless we say in 2025, we're going on this date, let's plan on doing this, put it on the calendar, start putting money aside, whatever it is that you do toward it. Now you're going towards something. Now faith is, even though the manifestation hasn't happened yet, we put it on the calendar, we're talking about it now, okay? And, and so now it is, it is, it is on the calendar, it is coming to pass. Not just someday, well one day God's going to move in this church, one day, uh, you know, there'll be a great move of God, one day, guess what? Now faith is the substance, faith is the substance. Ooh, I want to show you this, but I'm going to show it to you next week. The substance, faith is the substance of things that is hoped for, the evidence of things that is not, what? What's that word? See, you don't see it with your eyes, but faith sees with the spirit. Faith sees in the spirit realm, okay? Okay, real quick, okay, one more. Romans 10.8, Romans 10.8, just tell it to you. Romans 10.8 says this, it says, but what do, I don't know if we have that one up there. Romans 10.8 says, but what does it say? The word, yeah, we have it. The word is, is near your mouth and in your heart. Wait a minute, now watch this. Watch this before you go. Just watch this. That is the word of faith, which we preach. The word is near your mouth, in your mouth, and in your heart. The word of faith. The word of faith. Or the word is faith. God cannot be separated from his word. And it's saying it's the word of faith. What do we preach? What do we preach? We preach the gospel, the good news. It is the word of God. It is faith. And so when you say the word, you're saying faith. So go back. Go back one, uh, Beth. Go back to uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And so word and faith could be interchangeable. And if they could, you would say it this way. Now faith or now the word of God is the substance of things hoped for. This here is the substance of things. This is our guarantee. This according to Peter, is a more sure word of prophecy. This is it right here. This is the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things not seen by these jokers, but seen by this. And then watch this last part. For by it, for by it, by the word, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. That's how we get a good testimony. We got to stop sitting back waiting for God to do something. We got to stop waiting. I was so glad this morning when we had, we, we pressed it. See, if we would have just waited and just said, uh, you know, nobody's going to give a word. Nobody's going to sing anything. Just wait. God would have been waiting to, you know, y'all going to press in. Y'all going to pray. Y'all going to say something, right? 
But when we begin to press in, God's presence is revealed. To, it's already there, but it's just revealed to us. See, it's revealed to us. And so God is saying, please stop waiting for me to do something. You move mountains. You speak to your mountains. Oh, come into my presence when you want to know my will for your life. And when you want to know my motivation, which is love, because I love you. And I will give you encouragement. I will encourage you. I will tell you that you can do it. I will assure you that be not afraid. It is I. You can walk on the water. I'll do all of those things. But after you've done all that, now you go out and speak. You go out and speak. Today, begin to speak to your circumstances. Begin to speak to your mountain without doubting in your heart. Don't speak. Say, yeah, uh, I, you know, this thing needs to line up. I'm going to pass this test. I'm going to pass this test. Uh, and then, but am I though really? No, don't do that. Because it says without doubt. Without doubt. You just believe it in your heart.